Hey, this is Tammy Foreman, CEO of Path Forward. If you are wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannutza. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, they can inspire real change. It is now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. And listeners, thanks for joining the show today. I have a wonderful guest. Her name is Tammy Foreman, and she is the Chief Executive of Path Forward, a non-profit organization that creates mid-career internship programs to ease the transition back to work for women and men after taking a break for for raising their children or other caregiving responsibilities. Before founding Path Forward, Tammy spent a decade as a tech marketing executive with data solutions provider Return Path. Before that, she worked in in book publishing at Simon & Schuster and uh, um, Houghton Mifflin and held a senior level editorial positions at iVillage and News Corporation. She is a frequent speaker on issues related to women's participation in the workforce, having presented at the Grace Hopper Celebration, Disrupt HR, Tech Inclusion, and Conference Boards uh, Women's Leadership Conference. She writes a career column for Forbes and is a Fairy God Boss VIP and was named by Flex Jobs as one of the top 20 career experts for working mums. She lives in New York City with her husband and two kids, aged 10 and 12. Tammy, hey, welcome to the show. Hey, Dennis, thank you so much. This is great. I'm really excited. Yeah, great. Thank you. And it's wonderful to have you here. Tammy, I've just given a quick introduction about you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add about your background? You know, I um, I came to nonprofit leadership uh, somewhat late in life. Um, I had a whole career in um, first in media and then in uh, in software and and marketing of software. And but through that whole time, from the time that I graduated college, I was always interested in in women's place in the world and particularly in the workforce. And it was something that I was very mindful of. And I sometimes tell people, if you had told me as a as an American back in 1992, 93, as I was getting ready to graduate uh, from university, that when I woke up in 2020, uh, marriage equality would be the law of the land in the United States, but that women would still only make up about, depending on which stats you look at, you know, 10 to 15% of top leadership jobs at uh, corporations, I would think you had gotten it backward, right? I would think you had gotten it exactly backward. 
because it would it wouldn't have occurred to me in the 90s that we would make that much progress on marriage equality. And I'm certainly happy that we did. I'm overjoyed that we did. But it would have shocked me uh, back in the 90s to to think that we would have made so little progress, especially given uh, looking around at my classmates and it was men and women and men and women and we were all equal and we were doing our thing. So I've always been interested in what we can do to advance women's leadership and and bring all the voices to the table. So, yeah, okay, that's great. That's interesting. And, and how did you get into leadership? So, I, you know, I gotten I left media, um, and partly I left media because I felt my career there was stalling. The New York media landscape can be a tough place, and I didn't really fit the the mold of what uh, a lot of the companies were looking for. It just wasn't the right fit for me as a for my career. And so as I got into into tech, um, and this is the late 90s, so there was a lot happening in New York um, in technology, particularly in marketing and advertising technology. So I got into a marketing software company and I just, I always wanted to do big, important things. And I, you know, for, for better or worse, whether it's immodest of me, I just always felt like I, I knew the way, like, come follow me. I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so I, I really hungered for, for opportunities to show that um, and to do that. And, um, and the company that I went to was a place where I was able to do that and, and move into ever more more expensive roles. And to the point that I had become the VP of corporate marketing. And when the CEO of that company, Matt Blumberg, uh, told me he wanted to found a nonprofit um, because he had, uh, his HR team had started doing this program internally, uh, but he felt like there was an opportunity to expand it by working with other companies. My reaction to that was like, oh, let me run that. Um, having never worked in a nonprofit before, that was certainly um, uh, probably a little bit of hubris on my part. But I felt like so the the cause spoke to me, and I felt like I could. This was a good idea, and it was an idea that I could make happen, and that if I did, it would be great. So that's how I got into this particular particular leadership spot that I sit in at the moment. Yeah, and when you said the cause spoke to you, I, I find that for for me at times, when something speaks to me uh, and it's the right thing, it gets louder and louder and louder. Did you, did you experience that at all? Well, so what I would say is when I came back from maternity leave the first time back in 2007, I, you know, I sort of had this moment where I was like, oh, this is part of what holds women back. And it's not the kids, they're fine, right? The kids are, are adorable, but it's all the the things around, the social things that are around mothers and the way we think about mothers in the workforce, the way we think about mothers at home, the patterns my husband and I were falling into. Like there were all these things that I was like, oh, I think I get it now. Like I think I see. And even looking around, not only in my own company, but other companies. And one thing I started noticing is that I had noticed for a long time, as I said, that there weren't a lot of women at the table, at the senior table, at the executive table. But then you start to look a little closer and you realize, oh, wait, not only are there not a lot of women, but the women who are there are are single or if they're married, they don't have children, right? That there's something, right? That there's a, there's another layer there. And they're like, oh, if that if, if having kids is going to be an impediment for, for women to get to this, that's going to be a problem unless we want to stop 
growing as a species. Like that's going to be a problem. That's not that's 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 not going to work out so great. So, so I had started noticing several years before, and I came back to work um, within a few months of both of my children. And I enjoyed working and I enjoyed being a working mom, but I understood quite clearly how someone might make the choice um, or be pushed to make the choice to step out for longer and then seeing how hard it could be for someone to get back and recognizing that like, oh, this is an impediment. And if I can be part of solving that and bringing women back into the workforce and helping them to advance their careers, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that. I think that's really important for us to know that too and, and for you to share those experiences with us. Here's a question for you, which is, you know, there could be several people, but I'm going to ask, you know, who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history and why? So I um, I thought about this a lot today. This was a question I sort of contemplated on and I'm going to go with Melinda Gates. I read her memoir at the end of last year, which suddenly feels like it was a very, very, very long time ago, although it was only about nine months ago. Um, I read it at the, uh, the very end of last year and over the Christmas holidays. And I, so I'd always been impressed with the Gates Foundation generally, right? Sort of their, the way they were giving away money and the way they were using that money to try to advance different causes. But reading her memoir, first of all, really showed me, you know, Bill gets a lot of credit for all this stuff, but she is doing a lot of the work behind the scenes and the work that she was doing behind the scenes was not only quite interesting and impactful on a global level, but she was starting to make connections and see the way women's empowerment, or let me put it a different way, she was seeing the way women's lack of empowerment holds back entire countries and entire societies and Mm -hmm. making the connection between empowering women and empowering families and and cities and states and countries and on, and the way that she has gone about doing that. And, and I think she um, has done an amazing job. What, partly, I also admire what she has done by using both philanthropic power and also investment power, right? So if you look at the different things she's involved in, there's things that are 100% philanthropic, right? They're giving away money to do things like end malaria and uh, and other kinds of things around health and education around the world. But then they're also doing things like investing in in companies, in businesses, in women, in a, in a for-profit way. So she's using that uh, treasure that she has that she has amassed with her, along with her husband, in in all the ways that it can be used. So I'm very impressed with her and the way she t- and then the way she talks about motherhood and her own experiences of that and what that meant for her as a professional, what she saw at Microsoft as a professional, and how she now thinks about about women in leadership and women in the workforce. I think I think she really sets an example. That's great. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm really interested in what you just said there as well about, you know, Bill Gates does get a lot of credit and then, you know, you have people like Melinda behind him who's doing a lot behind the background. And I think that's whether it's a male or female that gets a lot of credit, there's always somebody else behind that actually helps and supports him a lot. And I think that's uh, really important that we actually do recognise those the, those others as well, which is really important. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Tammy, uh, the show is called Leadership is Changing. And of course, uh, that's an interesting topic. What, what does that mean, that terminology or the title of the show? What does it mean to you? Well, I think that I, I think the idea of I think the old fashioned idea of leadership was like there was some 
person, usually a man, often a white man, right, at the top doing, you know, saying, do the, you know, the command and control style, right, of leadership that we think of as like, you know, the way Mm -hmm. things were done. And I think what we're seeing now, and what I hope we're seeing more of is more leadership at the individual level, that anyone can be a leader from any part of an organization or any part of a uh, of an institution, of a, of a company, that, that leadership is, is within all of us and, it, and is something that we all can and should be demonstrating. So I think the idea of leadership as a singular person is, is changing. I think it's more now about how we can all be leaders in our, in our lives and, and what that means for us. Yeah, very good. Yep, leadership at an individual level. And so what we can do yeah. as individuals is really important. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So how has your business or industry changed and what demand has that put on you or your team? Well, it's interesting. So I came into nonprofit work about almost five years ago, having, as I mentioned, saying, oh, sure, I can do that, having had no experience in it. And what I've observed in the last five years, and, and having talked to now, you know, scores and scores of people involved in nonprofit work and nonprofit leadership, is that the imperative on nonprofits to think, to think with a bit more of a business mindset and more with a sustainability mindset. So for us as an organization, as you mentioned in your intro, we work with employers here in the U.S. to build internship program. So the employers that we work with are paying us a fee to be part of that program. It's what is known here in the U.S. in the nonprofit world is earned income, right? So those are not mm-hmm. donations. We take donations as well, but those are our fees paid to us. And we are, you know, so we, from the beginning, kind of created a revenue mix that was more balanced and just like, okay, give us money, give us money. Who else can give us money? Um, so I definitely think that's something that you're only going to see more of here in terms of, of nonprofit management. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying with the Melinda Gates example. It's part of what I like about her. She she looks to see what are the different ways that money can be used and and how can we think about it and from our perspective sitting on the other side of the desk it's like okay who who funds the kinds of things that we do who benefits right where's the value so where where is there benefit within society and within organizations for the kinds of services that we provide and how do we how do how do we create a revenue mix that allows us to be strong and sustainable by thinking about the different the different beneficiaries and how we can get them to be part of what we're doing. Right, right. Yeah, good. Very good. And if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader today, what would that one thing be? You know, I think that I I would love to see leaders embracing this idea of leadership coming from any part of their organization and and shining spotlights on different parts of their organization and thinking of themselves less as being like, you know, I'm the one who makes decisions and therefore, right, here's what we should do and okay, you know, marching orders, go do it. Um, And thinking of themselves more as catalysts for the things that are happening within their organization, right? How can they find the, the, 
the amazing things within their organization and pour gas on them, right? As opposed to having to be the person that makes things happen, but instead is a catalyst, removing obstacles, providing additional resources where where it makes sense to allow the people within their organizations to make things happen. I think that would be a change that would make a lot of organizations a lot stronger and more resilient Mm. as we think Mm. about in these crazy times that we're living in. Yeah, so what I'm hearing here is that they embrace that way of looking for leadership coming from any part of the organization. In other words, less command and control, but more along the na- part of being an enabler and helping people, yeah. as you, the word you use, just the catalyst, but being that enabler to help people sort of step up and give them. So, so the way I look at it, Tammy, is that sometimes, you know, we've got multipliers versus diminishers as leaders, but it's more about allowing people to spread their wings and fly and take their talent and actually help and tap into that talent to help the organization move forward. Yes, yes, exactly that, mm. exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and today, you know, uh, you and I know that we, we, we talk to people all the time who are employees, and um, how, how has employees' expectations of leaders changed? You know, this is another another question I thought about today. I don't know if employees' expectations have I mean, I think it's very fashionable to talk about particularly younger generations wanting this, that, and a third and, and being very demanding. And, you know, there's ways that's true. It's going to be, you know, my, my kids will be complaining about the new generation when they were, I mean, it's just like the same as it ever was. I'm Gen X and everybody complained about us when we were, uh, when we were, uh, graduating. Um, so I think there's something fashionable about saying like younger generations are more demanding or this, that, or, or, or whatever. But I think actually it's not so much that employees' expectations have changed. I think what's changed is employees' ability to see what leaders are actually doing. So I think the radical transparency that we have seen in the last... So if you think about like the period from, say, the you know post-war period, right, post-World War II through, let's call it the 80s, maybe into a little bit of the 90s, but like it's pretty good through the 80s. Like... Oh, sure, there were scandals and there were things that would come out in the media or whatever. But like a lot of companies, like things were very opaque. Like you didn't know, especially in a big company, what the leaders were doing or who was doing what or whatever was going on. And companies could say lots of stuff. We're doing this and that. And and that doesn't exist anymore. Right. It's really hard for companies to keep things to keep things quiet internally. So I don't think employees' expectations have changed so much as they now see if their expectations are being met or not. Right. So they now can hold their company and its leaders to account. It's been amazing through here in the U.S., first with Me Too and then with the Black Lives Matter movement, seeing groups of employees just going out on Twitter and saying, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me. And all of a sudden you see an executive getting getting thrown over that that kind of stuff would not have been possible in you know in the 70s and 80s and things like that so i think the expectations i think people expect to be treated well by their companies right they expect it to be treated fairly they expect they expect they expect to be treated like a human like i think there's all these i don't think the expectations are any different now i just think that they're a ability to see whether or not that's actually happening and potentially to do something about it when it's not is what's actually changed. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's good points. And yeah, you're right. I mean, there is that expectation and people, people can see through leaders who, you know, if they're not authentic, 
um, and uh, not being transparent. People can see right through that. They're not dumb. And um, so their expectations are, are there for, for a lot more of that to be transparent and to have some, well, the way I look at it is to have some really, really cool leadership and some leadership that's really effective and really quite strong, but not in a strong way, as you said before about the command and control, but more of a, having the ability to be transparent, being vulnerable in front of your staff, being upfront and being and connect with your staff. I think that's that's really quite a cool thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Tammy, uh, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? So I, I, I come back. So I think that tra- being able to embrace that transparency um, and, and authenticity, and I would say also um, the being, being vulnerable, like not, I think that, um, I think it's really hard in the world we live in today for leaders to try to present themselves as knowing all the answers and knowing everything. And I think that is, I think to be successful, you have to be able to admit when you don't know, when you're making the best decision you can make in the face of the information you do have. And, and then I think it's also, I think, the the leaders who are successful are all the, also the ones who are willing to step up and do the hard work. I think we see that's not always the case with leaders. They don't always want to step up and do the hard work. And I think that that's another thing that I think employees recognize. They know when their leaders are are in it with them, as opposed to okay, well you all go do, and I'll just sit here and count my money. Like I think that I think. I think we need to see our leaders leading and, and working and being part of the solutions that we're all driving towards. So I think those are the things that make leaders successful. But just recognizing the, the radical transparency with which we live is not going away. If anything, it's accelerating. So embracing that and embracing the need to, to be open and authentic, I think, is really important. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that the fact that the more and more change that we actually experience, that it gets emphasized even more or amplified, if I can put it that way. And then the other one, too, is stepping up to do the hard work and not, you know, rolling your sleeves up and getting in there and getting stuck into it as well and not expecting others just to do it, too. So I think that's really important um, for sure. Absolutely. I, I know that. Um, thinking about the future and where things are going to go because for a lot of people right now Timmy it's, it's the unfamiliar territories they're not sure what's happening it's uh, you know with pandemics and so forth where we're we going and what's going to happen to me and how am I going to work out my job or my business and I'm not sure where do you see if I was to say to you hey let's let's get out your crystal ball and start thinking about the future here where, where do you see leadership being in five years that's a really great question I mean I <laughs> You know, most days now I'm like, I, I, I hope I can see through to next week. I don't even know if my son's <laughs> bus is coming to pick him up. So it's a little hard to, <laughs> to project yeah. myself out five years. But um, but having said that, I think that, you know, we've been hearing, for I feel like for a long time now, that the baby boomers are, you know, that the new generation is coming and those baby boomers just seem to keep keep on hanging on. But if I think about five years from now, I think we really are going to see the the younger generation stepping up and and coming into their own. And we're going to see, I think we're going to see some some new ideas and new ways of doing things. I think that the the grip 
both culturally and economically and politically that the grip that the that baby boom generation has had for so long is is finally going to start to loosen um it's it's frankly just a matter of of looking at the numbers and the like there's only so much more time for some of these folks um so i think you're going to i think that you're going to start to see that play out more in the next 5 years than we have in the last five, I think we're we're a little bit in that last gasp of some of the old ways of doing things, and I I I don't know yet. I think it's much much too early to tell what the impact of the pandemic is going to be globally, in terms of of businesses and you know there's all these. Uh, editorials be being written about the you know the death of New York and the death of San Francisco and this and that and I think that there's going to I think the hunger for attachment and and human connection is going to be pretty I think I think there's going to be a hunger for that so I don't know that people are going to want to stay hungered down and not and not going into central offices and into um, into cities. So I think we're going to see, but I don't know if we're going to see the swing all the way like you did, for example, the Roaring Twenties were a reaction to the the pandemic of 1918, right? Like that's that the that's what created the Roaring Twenties and the and the decadence and the things. So I don't know that we'll swing all that way into uh, into a complete reaction to what's happening now. But I think it will swing yeah. a bit. So I think it's too early to tell if work from home is forever, if this is going to, you know, if, but I do think certain things around networking and the way that people connect and the way they collaborate and use technology, I think that's been accelerated. And I don't think that's yeah. going to change. So, mm, yeah. And how leaders communicate. I think that's a thing that will change in the next five years is how leaders communicate internally and externally, I think is something we're going to see be a little bit different in the future. I think they're going to learn a lot from this period of time of how to communicate effectively in mm. different ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I think there's some great things you just shared there. And, you know, here in this part of the world in New Zealand, uh, we, we we went and squashed the, the curve, if I can put that if, that way, for the pandemic. And then we had 102 days with zero cases of, of uh, COVID. And then then we had a little bit of a cluster outbreak. And so we've been in a sort of a, another level of uh, lockdown for a while and then sort of sort of just coming out of that again. And you know what? Uh, it's just really amazing. Yesterday I went and caught up somebody for a coffee uh, in a cafe because I was allowed, able to do that now. And it just felt weird for a change yeah. that I was able to be with somebody. Okay, we didn't shake hands or anything like that, but, you know, I wore my mask there, and then when I got there, I took it off and then had coffee and so forth, and, and it was just really different. But I felt really good about just being around people and seeing people. So, yeah, it's an interesting way, and we'll see where it goes for sure, absolutely. Well, and you have that amazing... And, and Dennis, you have that amazing female leader. So, who I almost was going to say was my favorite leader, who has uh, has led you so ably through this pandemic. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, Tammy. Hey, once again, thank you very much for joining us on today's show. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Um, so our website is pathforward.org. So that's P-A-T-H, just like the path 
you would walk on and forward as in the direction we hope we're all going in. Um, so pathforward.org, you can find everything there. You can email us, you can sign up for our email lists, you can find us on social channels. So that, that's our homepage and just hang out there and you'll find out everything you need to know about us. Awesome. Hey, Tammy, once again, thank you very much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Dennis. This was great. Cool. Hey, what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown, the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, listeners, look out for the episodes as they're being released and download them, listen to them, put a review and a rating and share them with your friends, your network, your family. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show or if there's a question you'd like me to ask uh, my interview, uh, the people I interview, or if there's a question you want me to ask me um, on my freestyle session or episode that I do once a week called Ask Dennis, feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, don't forget the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, is now available for you to to connect with and join and, and uh, meet other people as well as leaders around the world. But other than that, hey team, hey listeners, thanks for joining us on today's show and uh, we'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.